I feel like every single year I've learned something crucial to my success as a coach. And I look back, you know, after I've learned that and I'm like, how did I, how did I, how do we even field a team last year with, I, like, I knew nothing. <laughs> and, uh, but each year you, you learn a little bit more and you add to that knowledge and growth. And I mean, that's why we coach, right? Like if we don't have sure. a growth mindset, if we don't have a growth mindset, how can we expect our, our athletes to have a growth mindset? Yep. Like we got to be improving every year. Bird Wright, 18 premium diesel. Joe Montana, Buster Douglas, John Elway, John Elway. Daisy right, Soy, Blitz right, Travolta right, pumpkin left, alert, Charlotte left. Don't want Bunch right, Zach. We'll go 15 tip scissors, cannon to 300 jet F stick. Victory is a great play call. Coaches, welcome back to another episode of the Play Callers Club. We are fired up to have you back with us. We are a couple of tired dads who are excited to talk <laughs> about the uh, coaching carousel, the transfer portal, and just kind of what college football looks like, specifically offensive football looks like. And, you know, Jake, I think we can start by surprisingly saying that uh, offensive football runs through the state of Kansas, huh? Like, uh, you know, the two most (laughs) sought after coordinators Mm -hmm. in all of college football. Um, Well, seems, seems to be uh, Andy Kotelnicki taking the the Penn state OC job. And then our guy, Colin Klein coming down to Texas A&M to take over the Aggies. What's your kind of initial gut reaction to that? Yeah, I think you have two programs who have, kind of um, two programs, two fan bases that have kind of seen, you know, more traditional style offenses the past couple of years and have kind of wanted to see a little bit of change, a little bit more flair. And, and I think that's what, I mean, definitely two different looks from Kansas and Kansas state, but definitely, you know, a little more, you know, up tempo, a little more um, variety, a little more, motion a little more misdirection you know i think you think of kansas and you just think of all the creativity um no doubt that that you that they've had the past couple years you think of kansas state you think of the variety that they have in the run game and i know we'll kind of dig into i know that's kind of been a fear of a lot of the a&m fans whenever (laughs) you know that you hear about colin klein is you know about the success they've had in the run game, but then you kind of worry about, okay, well, what's that going to look like in the past game? Um, but that's just, you know, something that's going to be layered on top of um, how good their run game has been. So I think, you know, there's got, there's got to be a lot of excitement. I know there is, you know, on my side, um, from the A&M side, I'm sure there is from the Penn State side too. It's it, During these times, you always want to see something that's, you know, almost like the polar opposite of what you've been having um, when a coach gets fired, you want to, you know, if it, if a coach gets promoted and takes like another job, it's like, okay, how can we replicate what he did? But if you have a right, coach, exactly. that, you know, you're getting rid of, it's like, wipe it all. I want to see something completely different. I remember, you know, whenever coach Sumlin got fired at A&M and Jimbo came in, I remember everybody went crazy when they threw a pass to the tight end at the spring game. And now everybody's like, I could do without a tight end. Let's run some tempo. You know, it's like the answer somewhere in the middle. Um, it is. And so it is. I think, I think that's, you know, that's what you're going to get out of both of these um, coaches going to both of these schools. And I think, you know, it's a matter of 
them taking the guys that they've got on campus. And I think that's what both of these guys do really well is, yes, you know, they're going to mold their offense to the players that they have. It's not like, you know, obviously everybody's got a set system, but I think that's what the best offensive coordinators do is, okay, what guys do I have? What pieces do I have in play? And let's kind of build, you know, our 2024 offense. You know, this isn't the – Texas A&M offense of what it's going to always be, or this isn't the Penn State offense of what it's always going to be. This is our 2024 offense. This is, you know, the guys we have right now. These are, you know, maybe some recruits we have coming in. You know, there's the transfer portal part of it, and, you know, and then you might go the whole spring, and then you've got, you know, there's more portal that can happen. You've got more freshmen that can be coming in, you know, in the summer. So there's just so much change, and, you know, so it's kind of like, What's our, you know, base install going to be to start? What's our spring install going to look like? And then, you know, do we make tweaks based off of, you know, how the spring went, how the summer's going? So it's really an ongoing process um, through those next couple months. And I think that's the fun part of, you know, being a play caller is, you know, having to be able to adapt and change you know, based off of the guys you have. And I think that's kind of something that frustrated, you know, both these fan bases. It's like, this is kind of what we lock, we're locked into. This is what we're going to get, regardless of the skill set of the players we have. We just kind of know this, you know, you don't want to save vanilla because you don't really know what the coach is going through, what, you know, what the play calls are and what their thoughts are behind everything. But I think both these fan bases are just kind of hoping to see a little bit more flavor these these upcoming seasons. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think it's interesting, too, with these coordinators, you know, going from a context like Kansas or Kansas State where, Mm -hmm. you know, you're definitely making the most out of what you have. I mean, I think both of these coordinators did a phenomenal job with, you know, taking the guys on that roster and maximizing them um, creatively in a lot of different ways. And part of the reason as a coordinator why you take that next job, it's not just a financial thing. It's, hey, I got different guys to play with now, right? Like I my ceiling of talent is a little higher at a Penn state, maybe than a Kansas. My ceiling of talent's a little higher than a and M as opposed to a Kansas state. And that's no knock on those other schools. I think it's just kind of a resources game that we're, that we're talking about and kind of the access to athletes and stuff like that. And so, you know, I think, yes, you'll see probably some more creativity than you maybe were used to with some of these other, some of these previous coordinators, but Sometimes I wonder too, like, was it really the previous coordinator? Um, you know, was it was it their failure, or were there other were there other things going on as well? Um, you know, I think that exactly. that was something yeah. I've heard a little bit from from the Penn State crew of like, well, was Yurcich really able to run his offense? You know, I think that was kind of a question exactly. that popped up, and we we both know Mike, and Mike's yeah, somebody, really I mean, really, I, really sharp. I, I yeah, I mean, I can speak to it a little bit. I mean, I, I played in his offense at Oklahoma State. I mean, I never got on 100%. the field, but I was in his offense for a year. And it, you know, that was his first year as a Power 5 coordinator. And so, you know, it's going to be a little bit more different. I know he came in and kind of ran Coach Gundy's system a little bit. But, and so now he's obviously had a little bit more time, you know, to make it his own. Um, but but it looked a lot different than you know whatever whatever I was running when I was at Oklahoma State and so it's right you know like you said was it really his offense that he was getting to run or was it you know that was kind of the rumor about Bobby Petrino was like was he really getting to run the offense right. he wanted right. to run or and you know he's kind of and 
<laughs> more or less said pretty, no. Pretty much said no. I did, you know, I didn't. I was pretty much, you know, and he said, I mean, if, if a guy like Bobby Petrino is coming out saying he didn't get any sleep having to learn Jimbo's offense, you can only imagine what the players are going through. So that was that was no, definitely an, an interesting tidbit there. That was insightful, and you don't normally see coaches throwing each other under the bus like yeah. that. But I think uh, with Jimbo walking off into the sunset with $75 million, I think Bobby Petrino probably yeah, felt he like can, he could he can handle a couple jabs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, I mean, it, it is interesting. And, and I think there's a flip side to this, too, right? So we talked about how the previous coordinator, you know, maybe maybe didn't quite get to do exactly what they wanted to do. And then the fan base, what they're kind of longing for is the opposite of their ex, right? It's like when you go through a breakup, you want the opposite of your ex. And so you bring in these kind of young coordinators. And I know, you know, Andy's a a little, probably a little bit older than Colin Klein. Uh, um, He's been around a little bit longer, but creative minds that have really had an opportunity to run the show at their respective locations and did pretty well. When they're stepping up into some of these blue blood environments, one of the questions that I always ask coming from the play callers perspective is, all right, so who's coming with them? You know, I think that's always an interesting piece because, you know, the reality is James Franklin's not going to fire his entire offensive staff and let Andy bring all his guys in, you know, uh, you know, Mike Elko isn't going to let Colin Klein handpick every single um, offensive staff member. So yeah. you're going to see a mixture of Duke guys and you're going to see some guys that El- Elko has been connected with in the past. Mm-hmm. And so that can be a huge challenge for a new coordinator to be working on an install plan with coaches that are at various levels of kind of familiarity with it, various yeah. levels of buy-in with it. <laughs> um, so it's imperative, I think, to have early success as a coordinator in a context like that, because if you don't have early success, the, 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 the office can get a little tough, right? Sure. <laughs> you know, you got a lot yeah. of coaches saying, I think, I, I think I have a better way to do this. I've seen it tear some staffs apart. So again, I'm not like putting that evil on anybody right now, but I'm just saying it's interesting you know, you're coming into a new context, you're going to have better players, you're going to get paid more, but what is, what does the the office look like? Yeah, the stakes are higher. I mean, it's, you know, it's not, you know, once again, not to say anything about Kansas and Kansas State, but it's not those places where you get five, one season. It's like, all right, well, let's, you know, be better next year. It's like, if that's happening, it's like, you're, immediately on the hot seat and you better get it figured out and then yep. they're okay to get rid of you mid-year like they they're not going to wait till the end of the year if it's not going well and so it's and, and kind of to your point you mentioned earlier about you know difference in talent i think somebody had thrown out a stat that kansas state's you know composite talent in the big 12 this year because of 14 teams in the big 12 they're 13 of 14 and now right you know, you're stepping into a roster you know minus transfer this was last year's roster that was like third in the country and composite right. talent so i mean there's a difference you know in what you're working with and so it's it'll, it'll definitely be interesting to see you know how, how these guys approach that yeah and I, I think one of the interesting things when you take a kansas and you take a texas a&m for example you know obviously you have the downside of maybe you don't have the blue chip talent 
at a Kansas or a Kansas State. But I think the the from a offensive identity perspective, they've got those guys in the program for four or five years, and they're they're gelled. Like those offensive lines were veteran. You got stable full of backs. You got you know a couple quarterbacks that are have been around. And so again, it's when you're stepping up, kind of quote unquote, into the big leagues of the SEC and the Big Ten. You know, you are going to have a little bit more of that roster turnover and have yeah. to plug holes, and maybe you have depth issues. And yeah, your higher higher end talent might be better, but do you have those role players that can? continue to run your system or is it very dependent kind of similar to the nfl very dependent on that top tier talent to kind of drive the identity of the offense i think that's one of the one of the things that you got to be a little worried about at some of these bigger programs yeah and i think that's you know something that jimbo had mentioned um i think this past year he was they kind of said if you could like change one thing about college football right now what would it be and his thing was i wish we had more practice time and i think if you look at college football 10 years ago, to your point, guys couldn't just leave whenever they wanted to. So he was able to, you know, guys weren't starting when they were, you know, freshmen, sophomores. We right, could develop right. these guys for three or four years. You know, you think about Jameis winning the national championship as a redshirt freshman. But, like, once again, he wasn't a true freshman. He was a redshirt freshman. And then also most of the guys around him were older, like, you know. Solid offensive line, solid receivers, hit a solid defense. And so he was kind of like, okay, plug in and go. It wasn't like he was playing with a bunch of freshmen around him and he was having, you know, to like kind of teach them along the way. As opposed to right. now, it's like you have you are having to play a lot of freshmen. You're having to play a lot of transfers. And I think that was kind of ultimately part of the failure of, you know, Jimbo not being able to adapt was that he's still trying to run this super complicated offense with a bunch of guys that just haven't had the time in the system to right, learn it. Right. Like he said, I mean, he even pointed out they just don't have the time, you know, in the week to be able to get it all in. And so that's kind of my thing that I'll be interested in seeing too. Like you said, with these coaches is, are they able to get as deep in the playbook at, at these new schools? You know, if you don't have the offense that completely understands it, you know, once again, they're both stepping in their first year. Everybody's going to have to learn a new offense you're going to have a lot of new guys that aren't, you know, probably familiar with each other. So it'll, it's definitely going to be, you know, an interesting adjustment for the both of them, but definitely excited to see, you know, the product on the field next year. Uh, Absolutely. And that's, you know, ultimately what you get judged by is the product on the field. And, you know, I think Jake, there's a several things we can talk about when it comes to kind of the installation process and players being able to kind of absorb um, what you're trying to teach. It was interesting. Probably a couple of days ago, I was I went down the Jim Leonard rabbit hole. So Jim Leonard was the defensive coordinator for the Wisconsin Badgers, head coach for kind of a brief period, and then um, I think he's with Illinois right now. But oh, he's, yeah, he's kind like of an analyst. In Illinois, he's kind of constantly in the conversation for NFL DC jobs, or you know, I know he was tied to the USC stuff for a little bit, and. Yeah, I think there's a decent chance he ends up back in the NFL. But one of the things that was interesting in in hearing him talk uh, in some interviews and some clinics was how he was he just talked extensively about the importance of his his teaching ability and constantly like revisiting. All right. How do I teach? How do I engage it almost in like a classroom setting as if you were like an actual teacher? And I think that's 
something that is kind of separating, you know, coaches right now is the coaches that are really great teachers and the coaches that are uh, maybe not as good at getting that information across. Um, and again, not to speak negatively on, on any coaches, but I think you're seeing that divide kind of grow a little bit more. Um, where you're seeing the coaches that are really great teachers be a lot more successful. And it's because they've had to adapt some of their teaching style, I think, too, yep. to the way that kids are currently learning. And the reality is you don't have that practice time. You don't have five, six years in a system like you maybe did in the past. You're not starting exclusively redshirt juniors. You know, you're you're starting sometimes true freshmen. And they have to be able to comprehend what you're doing. And so I think you're seeing, you know, uh, I don't know about, I don't know if renaissance is the right word, but you're seeing kind of this increased importance of teaching the concepts and teaching the game. And I think the coaches that are doing a really great job with that are the ones that are succeeding. And Andy Kotelnicki, for example, it's like, Look at all Kansas runs. I mean, if you go and watch a game, they're in 50 different formations, motions, shifts. It's it's wild. It's crazy. They throw the ball. They run the ball. QB, I mean, it's so much stuff, right? How are they learning it? It's probably being taught well. And again, credit to the kids too, right? Like they're learning it, but like he's probably teaching it well too because that's hard. it's hard to communicate that much information to a football team. So I think that's what is separating coaches right now is like who can teach uh, really well and who can eh, maybe not teach so well. Yeah. I think it was interesting because Tom Brady um, is, you know, kind of went viral him recently talking about how, you know, just the level of play and the level of like quarterback play to him is down right now. And one of the main things that he said was it's coaching and there's not as, you know, intentional coaching, you know, you're just kind of, you know, throwing stuff at the guy and not really, you know, diving into it a little bit. And that kind of makes me think about how practice has changed so much in the past. Oh my goodness. I mean, even recently in the past five years, but you know, in the last like 20 years, how much practice has changed. There's not, you're not getting as much full speed reps as you used to where like, right. You can, you can see it all, you know, there's just so much, there's so many more, you know, just walkthroughs and jog throughs. And, you know, as uh, from the quarterback's perspective, you're not seeing things at full speed anymore. So you really have to be intentionally taught, you know, from your coach of, okay, these are the things we're looking for. These are our rules. These are the things we're trying to see. And even, you know, as offensive linemen, when you're, you know, trying to pick up blitzes and twists up front and as receivers, when you're trying to read coverage, when you're not getting those full speed reps, if you're not taught well, that's you're it's it's all going to be so much different to you when you get out there in the game. And obviously, as coaches, you have to try to give your guys as many full speed reps as possible. But there's so many rules now that, you know, it's. You can do it, but you're not going to get as much as, you know, when there was two days back in the day and you could just go all you wanted, you know, until until the coaches were tired. That's, oh, literally. You know, it's, I mean, my first year at Oklahoma State, there was two days. By the next year I was in college, two days were not a thing anymore. You couldn't, I mean, <laughs> you couldn't do them. So it's just, that's how fast everything changes. So you've got to be better at teaching on the board. you got to be better at teaching during walkthroughs and that's some of the best coaches I had when we would do walkthroughs, you know, it wasn't just like go through the play. Okay. Go to the next play. We're getting reps. It's there's, there was 
constant talking and communicating. And it was what I loved about those walkthroughs is now as a quarterback, I get to hear the offensive line coach coaching the offensive line. I get to hear the receivers coach coaching the receiver. I get to hear the running backs coach teaching the running back. Everybody else gets to hear what the quarterback coach is teaching me. That's why I like (laughs) team film sessions sometimes too, because if I'm just one-on-one teaching my guys something, but nobody else ever hears it, I think there's a lot of things that get lost in communication. Once again, especially when you're not getting those full speed reps. So as much as everyone can hear everything possible, I think that's, and so anybody that does walkthroughs, I think that's a really good um, practice is let everybody hear, you know, and it's, it's not like you're, I mean, most of the time you're not going to be really getting on guys in a walkthrough anyway. Right, right. It's more of just, this. Is, hey, this is what we're thinking, you know, as a quarterback. I want to know, you know, what is the line doing in protection? Because sometimes, you know, especially at a younger age, most quarterbacks aren't in charge of protection. But I want I need to know, you know, where am I hot from? What, you know, what's my running back's protection? Sometimes the running back not, might not know what to do. I don't want to be like, oh, you're going to pick up that guy. And then now the opposite side, you know is left open. So I just think that's a really good practice that coaches can take is, you know, some of those slower walkthroughs when, you know, the whole team can kind of come to, or the whole offense can come together and really hear what's going on. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's a great point. I remember, you know, good friend of mine, Derek Perkins worked for Cliff Kingsbury at Texas tech and their walkthroughs were, like pretty full on not like running full speed or anything but just they got so many reps and walk through yep. and again part of the reason cliff was able to run so much stuff is just the amount of reps they were able to get in a condensed period of time and um you know i think for me as a as a high school coach particularly as a head coach one of the things that i tried to get done when i was coaching in north carolina was you know we had very limited field time right and so the I, I tried to almost create like this path that you walked anytime we installed anything. So it was like, if we were going to install something new, you first saw it on the board, full team meeting. And then after I was done writing it on the board, someone on the team, quarterback, offensive line, had to replicate it on the board and kind of co- teach the guys the way I just taught it, right? Next, next move would be, we would be clear the desks, walk through it in the classroom, right? We walk through full team walkthrough in the, in the classroom. All right, everybody sit down next. What we had is, um, I got this idea from, from dub Maddox coach in Oklahoma. We had poker chips, right? Lay them out on the table and you had to walk through the play, you know, with the poker chips on your desk. And so by the time we were done with that meeting, you had seen it drawn on the board. You had a teammate teach it to you. You had a walkthrough and then you in a small group, basically with poker chips went through the entire play. So b- before we even touch the field, right, you've had a multidisciplinary kind of look at things, right? Exactly. There's visual learners, there's kinesthetic learners, there's all kinds of different learners. And so you're trying to hit as many of those as you can. And then we show a little bit of film, we hit the field and we really, we never practice more than 90 minutes ever, yeah. but you had so much teaching that was done. And again, not to go too far off on a tangent with this, but like one of the things we would do in meetings is we would coach up the drills so that there was very limited talking 
on the actual football field during drills, right? And so you'd basically give them the list of here are the individual drills we're doing. Here's exactly how we want them done. Coaches aren't really going to like teach you the drill. Like once we're on the field, you have to just get after it right away. And so we were able to kind of condense down on indie time. We were able to condense down on a lot of different things. And so we were able to spend a lot more time running the offense. And again, as an offensive coach, I probably went a little too much in favor of the offense with uh, our practice time. But, you know, I think it's something for coaches to think about is like, yeah, you may not be able to get on field reps, full speed reps, but how can you engage like different types of learners along the way with as many different, sometimes it was just like throwing it at the wall and seeing if it's stuck. Right. But like hit a hit on it as many times as you can to see if, see if you can get it taught. (laughs) It's yeah. One of the things I I always thought was kind of crazy as a player, you know, from a quarterback's perspective, it's like, I need to know everybody's job, but you know, sometimes as a, you know, say receiver, I'm running a route and I might not even know the guy next to me's job. And so that's, that's why I love, you know, your example with the poker chips is I do need to know everybody's job. I should know what the quarterback progression is. Am I first in the progression? Am I last in the progression? Because that's, that's important as far as routes go. The most, the thing that would frustrate me most as a quarterback and as a coach was MORs because when guys don't <laughs> run MORs, you run, you ruin pretty much the entire Everything. play. And I, everything's everything's I probably, dead. I probably threw five interceptions in my life from guys <laughs> not running MORs, and the corner ends up sitting on the out route that I of throw course. because eyes get turned back inside, and I'm just like so pissed. I'm like, <laughs> I can't believe like. Well, that is, it's like literally mandatory outside release. That is your job. And so, yes, yes. Yeah. Well, and and I'm, I'm glad you said that. I know there's, yeah, I know there's a lot of high, high level coaches listening, but MOR, mandatory outside release. I've had a couple yeah. of coaches ask me that. Like, you don't have a choice. <laughs> you better yeah. outside release this corner, exactly. even if you take him out of bounds with you. Uh, yeah. You got to clear some space. But yeah, I mean, that, I think you're right on. It's like, you do have to know what the guy next to you is doing. Like you do have to know. And I think that's one of the reasons I'm really passionate about concept-based teaching when it comes to offense. I would I want to teach concepts, not plays, right? Yeah. And so you can adjust the concept. A, a, a play, once you adjust a play, is a whole new play, right? For sure. And so one of the things that I always tried to hammer with our guys was like, you need to learn the concept. Because we may put you in a different spot. We may tag a switch release here, and you're running your you're you're an outside receiver, but you're running the slots uh, spacing you know route. And so you just you need to know what each other are doing, and that's gonna I think bring us to like a bigger picture discussion, which is with quarterbacks right now. I think Tom Brady's onto it for sure that like coaching needs to be better, and we need you know prepare these quarterbacks better. I think. If you're a high school quarterback right now, whether you're coaching high school quarterbacks or you're listening and you are a high school quarterback, one of the most important things you can invest in right now is your football IQ. Like not somebody's offense, but like general football knowledge because the concepts carry over from offense to offense. The like everyone's going to run mesh, everyone's going to run cross, everyone's going to run, you know, drive. You're going to ha- like you need that library so that you can mentally understand the spacing of the passing game exactly and it's just 
it's more important now than ever because you don't have three years to sit and learn Bobby Petrino's offense. Like you got to come in with some football IQ from the start. Mm -hmm. You have to, you have to, if you want to be successful. It's like, it's kind of like, I kind of equate it to like math. It's like, if you don't have a basic understanding of math, when you get to geometry, when you get to algebra, when you get to calculus, you're not ever going to be able to like excel in those things. You can learn it at a certain point and to a certain extent, but you're limiting your ceiling if you don't have kind of like that base knowledge. And I think on the flip side of that is also understanding the defensive side of the ball. And that's yes. one thing that you can always control. And that's not to say defense is not going to change. Defense is definitely going to change. But if I can control, like regardless of what coordinator I have, regardless of what offense we're running, if I know what I'm expecting from defenses. Like that's one thing that I used to always love during off season time was, you know, obviously when you play a team, you're going to study their defense, but you know, there's always a new, just like how there is on the offensive side of the ball, how there's, you know, tendencies and there's kind of the new fad that everybody likes to do. It's the same with the defense, just like how we've been seeing a lot of this, like three high type defense. Right. Yep. For a couple of years. And that's like, it's been really hard for offenses to figure out kind of how to attack that. But I think, you know, it's kind of getting to that point where it's starting to get figured out a little bit. So probably in the next couple of years, you're going to see, you know, somebody come out with a new style of defense that kind of is the response to that. Um, right. But that's, that's one thing that as, as a quarterback, as a, you know, quarterback coach, as an offensive coordinator, as any position player is study defense, understand, you know, what concepts beat what coverages, what, you know, who my reads would be on, you know, certain plays on certain concepts. And I think that's how, you know, so that when my, you know, coaches might teach you how to read it a little bit differently, but you've already kind of got an idea of, okay, you know, just a simple one smash, you know, you got the hitch and the corner out. I'm reading the corner, you know, that's right. About as simple as it gets. And then you kind of, you know, build from there. Yeah, no, 100%. I think it's, it's like we said, more important now than ever to have some sort of baseline understanding of offensive football and defensive football. And yeah, I mean, I think that's part of what we're trying to help with a little bit with the podcast and some of the other things we do is have that conversation, have some of those resources out there where you can understand an offense that's not just the offense maybe you grew up in or you know, you played it in high school or, or anything like that. Cause I think what, what we're also seeing is even in the NFL, there's a huge drop off between the top, I don't know, seven, eight quarterbacks in the league and everybody else. Right. Yep. And so once those injuries start to mount, you're seeing a lot of these college quarterbacks show up in these offenses, right? You see some old vets and you see some young guys and, you know, I think what NFL coaches are realizing is they have to get to some of these kind of quote unquote college concepts just so they can operate an offense, right? Just so they can play football on Sunday. And uh, again, I, I think the NFL tends to move the slowest um, in terms of like big picture schematics. Like you're not going to see everybody throw the baby out with the bathwater. But I think what the NFL does is they take these like very specific trends and everyone ends up applying them, whether it's the motion that Mike McDaniel's using some of the Shanahan stuff, like everyone's going to apply these little things here and there. But I think some of the offenses that have impressed me for doing the most with the least, for example, you know, the Indianapolis Colts, they're doing some collegey kind of stuff, right? With what at the beginning was Anthony Richardson. Now it's Gardner Minshew. And 
um, having a little bit of success with that. And so I think you're seeing it at the highest level for sure. But even in college, it's like, man, if you don't come in ready to run an offense and translate some of your knowledge into the verbiage and terminology of your coordinator, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Like you can't, you can't go to college expecting football one hundred and one. Exactly. <laughs> like you're you're already in higher level football than that yep. once you get to college. So if you're yeah. a quarterback and you don't want to live in the transfer portal, uh, you got to have a football IQ. You got to. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the, and that's the thing too is it's just in the in the ever changing landscape of. Even in high school now, I feel like guys are just, you know, coaches are moving around more often. So, I mean, you might be getting new, you know, offensive coaches in high school, but especially in college, I mean, you you sign to go play for this guy and you don't know if he's going to be there the next year. You think he's going to be, gonna, he tells you he's going to be, but you just don't know if he's going to be there the next year. You don't know if you're going to be there the next year. So the more you can maximize and put yourself in a good position, you know, like you said, to just, you know, right off the bat, because that it's just like anything in life, that first impression is going to go a long way. So if you can impress that coach right there from the get go, you can already get yourself, you know, he might not move you to the top of the depth chart, but you're pretty much starting, you know, ahead in the race of the other guys, if you've kind of got that baseline knowledge and understanding of you know, like we said, the concepts are going to be mostly the same. The name and the terminology is going to be probably different. But it, once again, there's just there's not enough time for these guys to go super deep in their offense. So you're going to be seeing a lot of the same stuff over and over. Yeah, you, you have to. You have to. And we live in an age where you have so much access to information that the only reason that you're not expanding your football IQ if you're a player or if you're a coach is because you're not trying. (laughs) I mean, literally like when I was growing up playing high school football and college football, like I remember I sent out and this is not that long ago, right? It's like 2009, 2008. I sent out my recruiting film as a DVD. Yeah. Like I kid you not. And I can't even fathom that now. Right. Like trying to get game film. I can't even imagine. Right. Like we, we used to trade, dvds and vhs's when i was in high school right like that doesn't happen anymore like there's access to all this information everywhere and you know it's important for quarterbacks obviously but i think it's also really important for coaches to not get themselves pigeonholed into being a quote-unquote like system guy of like oh i'm an air raid guy or oh i'm i'm an option guy right like you're even seeing it at the service academies like if you watched army navy Army's out there in like quads, diamond, and like they're. <laughs> it's like it doesn't look like an Army Navy game, right? And and I think what Jeff Munkin is doing is maybe trying to untether himself from that kind of yep. option guy tag that he's maybe gotten. And I think you're seeing a lot of option guys trying to kind of go that way. But I think that regardless of how you identify as a coach, like it's important to understand kind of the broader landscape of offensive football and defensive football too, to an extent. But like, I think pigeonholing yourself into one particular system can be a little bit, a little bit dangerous for your career because like you said, Jake, like someone can get fired, someone can get hired. Like you have to be able to learn the coordinators offense. If you're a position coach, like Colin Klein coming into Texas A&M, yeah, probably none of those position coaches 
played for Bill Snyder. But guess what? A yeah. whole bunch of Bill Snyder ideas are coming down to College Station. Yeah. So you have to be able to learn and understand. And I've had countless college coaches reach out to me over the years of like, hey, so-and-so is going to be my new OC. Like, what what should I expect? Yeah. I mean, you know, like I've had countless guys reach out and I, exactly. you know, I don't, I don't have an in-depth knowledge, but I can kind of say like, here are some things you might want to look at. Like, obviously they, they're watching tape and they're looking at different things, but here are some of the influences. Here are some of the concepts you can expect. And, you know, you want to brush up on that so that you can be of service to your coordinator, right? As a position sure. coach. And so anyway, that's kind of a long-winded way of saying that, but I just think it's so important in the modern game now more than ever with the way that information is moving that you have to embrace like this constant learning of football because yeah. things change fast and you can't just well, be think, a career guy. Yeah. I, I think honestly the guys with the hardest job are the high school coaches because you don't, I mean, at, at least as far as public school goes, like you don't, it's not college where you get to recruit the guy like, to the specific guy that you 100%. want. It's not, yeah. it's not the NFL where it's like, okay, we picked this guy. This is, you know, kind of what we want to build our offense around. It's you, I mean, you've got an idea of, and you can, yep. you know, I think the best high school programs are starting, you know, even below the, um, below the middle school age They're you know, they're starting it in their pop Warner programs of kind of, the offense they're looking for and I mean even the defense that they're looking for and there's you know seven on seven is starting at a younger age now which I think is great I, you know there's a lot of people that say seven on seven ruins the game but if it's done the right way you're getting yourself quite the advantage um you know moving forward I know like the West Lakes and the Lake Travis's of the world at least in the Austin area here and even you know Georgetown where I went to school and where I live that's you know they're doing like the the sun the spring leagues and the summer leagues and stuff like yep. that and I know you know those schools the kids when they when you enter you know like ninth grade now you're expected to have a pretty solid understanding of the offense as opposed to like you know we used to all get there in ninth <laughs> grade it's like learn everything as fast as you possibly can now it's like it you know just kind of like how we're talking about if you're getting into college and you don't have that base understanding you're already starting way behind yes so. And kind of back to, you know, my original point as, um, you know, offensive coordinators in high school, you might have a pure pro style guy and your backup might be a true, you know, dual threat, more heavily run no guy. No all doubt. of a sudden your pro style guy goes down. Like how quickly can you adapt? Is your offensive built within the rules that, okay, we can, you know, not only just get out of a game, but can we still win the rest of the season? Or is it like, oh, crap, what are we going to do? Am I going to try to make this guy throw the ball, you know, 30 times a game? And so that I think the best offensive coaches are the ones that your system is built to where really you can win with, you know, different guys at different positions. Yeah, I think that's I think that's spot on. And high school coaching is still the most challenging i think of any level just because of i mean yeah like you said it's a it's a resources thing and obviously there are some programs that have a lot more resources than others and you know that's that's great for them um but but yeah a lot of guys that i've talked to throughout the years have tried to build an offense each year around the people that walk in the door and that is 
extremely difficult to do yeah. because not only do you have to have a base understanding of offensive football, now you have to really tailor and tinker your athletes into a place where they can, you know, potentially be successful. And, yep. you know, it's, it's interesting. I've seen coaches have success with super, I, I don't want to call it simple because simple is not easy, but like some of these option coaches that I've watched in the high, at the high school level, um, their attention to detail is unbelievable. And it seems like year over year, you're getting, you know, the same type of kid able to run the offense over and over again. Right. And they're just kind of a machine. And then you're also seeing coaches on maybe the other side of the spectrum that are really super creative and diverse and are finding ways to get unique athletes in space in different ways and have success that way. So I don't think it's one or the other. Like I think sometimes people try to make it, uh, make blanket statements of like, Oh, you just have to simplify. Like you should only have 10 plays and, uh, (laughs) you know, and it's like, well, that might work for some and for others, they may need to, uh, you know, be a, be just super diverse and, and change up kind of what they do each and every year. And when I was coaching like small school football in North Carolina, one year we were airing it out. And the next year we were running the spread option. You know, and it was just like it was super fun for me as a coach because I got to experiment. And obviously, the stakes are a little lower when you're playing small school ball in North Carolina. It's a little different than Texas, right? But like, it was fun for me as a coach, and definitely helped so much with my development as a coach. And so, I would anyone listening out there that's kind of trying to figure out what next year looks like for your team, I would just encourage you to uh, turn this off season into a research project try to learn as much as you can yep. and see where you land come fall camp. Because I feel like every single year I've learned something crucial to my success as a coach. And I look back, you know, after I've learned that and I'm like, how did I, how did I, how do we even field a team last year with, mm-hmm. I, like I knew nothing. <laughs> and, uh, but each year you, you learn a little bit more and you add to that knowledge and growth and, I mean, that's why we coach, right? Like if we don't have sure. a growth mindset, if we don't have a growth mindset, how can we expect our, our athletes to have a growth mindset? Yep. Like we got to be improving every year. Yeah. And I think, you know, kind of back to the point we were talking about earlier of the way practice has changed. I think the overall, I don't know, landscape of a coach, like the your outlook of the year has completely changed. It's like your season almost is you know, January to May now, like how much can I learn in that time? There's just, there's so many resources now. Like it just, it used to be, okay, we'll go to this one conference and I'll go listen to a couple college guys talk and I really won't pay attention to them. And I'll take a couple notes and I'll, you know, take one or two things back. It's just like, there's no excuse now. There's just so many, there's so many, I mean, everything that Dan's putting out, you know, on all the social media platforms, all the film, that's out there when you do go to, you know, conferences now, it's like they're taken to such a higher level, like the amount of access that coaches are giving you, you know, go visit spring practices, go watch what, you know, colleges and NFL, you know, if you can get access to them, go, go watch those things. There's just so much out there and so much that you can learn. And so I feel like the best coaches, like they now take January to May as visit, like, this is my season. This is my season to learn 
and then by the time I get to August, like I'm rolling, like I feel good about, you know, no doubt. What I'm putting no out doubt. there. And, you know, obviously your kids have to be able to embrace it and take what you're teaching them. But I think that's the fun thing too, is like kids like to have, you know, a little bit of change, a little bit of newness. Like, yes, they, they want to, you know, they, kids, you know, most kids are, they're watching football too. Like they see what the call the cool college teams are running. Everybody knows what the dolphins are doing. I guarantee they all know the exit motion that Tyree kills doing. They're probably like, why in the heck are we not running it coach? So if you, if you show them that you're taking the time to go learn and to implement those things, yes. I guarantee yes. your kids are going to be a little bit more excited to be in that offense. A hundred percent. And, and I think too, you know, Jake, you were mentioning just the amount of resources and going to visit spring practice, different things like that. I think a lot of coaches are like, oh man, it would be awesome if I could go hear Lincoln Riley talk at a, at a clinic, you know, and maybe this isn't the best year to talk about Lincoln Riley, but they still had one of the best offenses in the country. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, or, you know, I want to go hear Will Stein talk at a, at a clinic. And again, those are, those guys are awesome. They know a ton of football, right? But sometimes the highest value thing you can do is go talk to the really successful high school coach in your city that probably knows a ton of football and you could really learn something. Um, and the same is true with, you know, the, the D three school, you know, a lot of people, I think, think that the, the, the bigger coaches, the more successful coaches are the ones that they're going to learn the most from. I've actually found it to be almost the opposite of that, that some of the things I've learned the most are from the coaches that, you know, we're at these lower levels. And then before you know it, you know, I blink and five years later, like this guy's in the NFL. I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. He was legit, <laughs> but I just caught him when he was at a D three school, you know? And so it's like, I think that's something important to think about too, as you go through your off season, um, study is it doesn't have to be the big name guy. Yep. It could be somebody that is willing to open their, the door of their office and talk football with you. And you may be able to pull something out of that, that, uh, changes the way your team operates. And so, that's one of my biggest pieces of encouragement is like clinics are great, right? Like I like clinics. I enjoy them. Um, but the highest value things you can do typically is your own personal study where you dive deep and you go all in on a concept, a team, whatever the case may be. And conversations like specific one-on-one conversations you're having with other coaches and they have to be intentional, like go visit, go spend time with these coaches and try to sit down with them and, and, and get on the board with them. Like those are the, those are the game changers. The game changers are not you sitting in the back of the clinic and, Oh, he's going to tell you how they read four verts again. Like, come on, you know, we, you know, you, that, that's fine. The thrill that we do that everybody in the country has been doing the last 20 years. Come on, come on. A lot of, I think a lot of the clinic stuff is, especially the big guys is filler. Like it's filler. Their GA put it together. That's, They're just buzzing they through get, it. That's like, how they get people to show up to the clinic. But the it's like yes. you said, the value the value guys are the smaller school guys. The you know the guys that don't really have the big name yet. That's how yes. they're going to get their name out there. So yeah, and they're going to prepare so much more the yeah. the 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 guys that are, maybe don't have the bigger name and. You know, again, some sometimes you you go and hear somebody talk and it's not great, and you know whatever you move on. But I would just encourage coaches that are looking to study this off season to like commit to it. Like even if you do it for one week, treat it like a game week, yeah. and like prep 
and study and stay up late or wake up early, you know, like treat it with that level of intensity and you will get better. I think in my experience, the times in the off season that I just like waste a bunch of time is when I'm kind of passively flipping through stuff. I don't have an intention behind what I'm doing. I'm not specifically studying something. I'm just kind of watching football randomly. And so the more intentional you can be the better. And, and I always try to go into an off season to address one of my failures. And this past off season, one of the huge failures I had as a coach was we were horrible in pass protection. And it was because I didn't understand it. Like, I didn't truly understand it. I was like, oh, yeah, like half slide to the left, whatever. Like, uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> half slide to the right. Um, but this off, this past off season, I just spent a ton of time in investing in my knowledge of pass protection. A ton of time. We brought in a, a new offensive line coach that had a lot of experience, too. I learned a lot from him. And, our, you know, I've had a lot of conversations with our quarterback about pass protection. And we had an experienced offensive line coming back. So it kind of all came together and the whole season we gave up one sack. Now, part of that's because we had really good players. Part of that's because our quarterback was mobile and he was able to get out of some stuff. Um, But it was also because I decided for the first time in my football life that I was going to like go all in on protection and really understand it. And that was a game changer for me. You know, it was a game changer for me. And, And I'm so grateful for that six months that I got to spend really diving into protection because it made me such a better coach. And so I just think it's important every off season to like pick one of your failures and address it like wholeheartedly. And you know, you end up learning a lot in that process, I think. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I think self scout has become really big over, you know, the past, it's always been a big deal, but over the past couple of years, self scouts kind of become a really big thing. And so, you know, some teams are doing it, Every week in the season, sometimes it's just, you know, breaking yourself down at the end of the year and saying, like you said, you know, what do we need to get better at? How can we improve? You know, is there, and was I beating my head against the wall trying to do something over and over that didn't work? Is that something that I just need to coach better? Or is it something that just, you know, we're not going to be successful at? Let's just kind of get rid of it as right, a whole. Right. I think that's kind of another area where, I just think if you can improve in these next couple of months, you're not only going to make yourself better, you're going to make your, like you said, you're going to make your staff better. And then in turn, you're going to make your players better. And I think when you get in this clinic season, I think there's a time and place for kind of like the staff camaraderie, the staff development of, you know, being around the guys, enjoying it, having a good time. So maybe you do one clinic where it's, you know, we're just going to all kind of have a good time. We're going to hang out. And then you do another clinic where, like you said, I'm really going to challenge myself to, you know, improve on these, you know, couple days, couple hours that I have. You know, if you're taking the time away from your family, away from, you know, whatever you've got going on to go do it, you know, get the most out of it. Get the most out of it. 100%. No, I think that's right on. And, you know, obviously... It's been a crazy season so far. A lot has happened. Coaches getting hired and fired. Quarterbacks in the portal. You know, we lots to talk about. And you know, as we kind of head into bowl season, we're going to have obviously a lot more to talk about as well. And um, obviously, the dust is the dust is going to settle soon. But I'm I'm just excited, man. I'm excited about this off season. I'm excited about some of the things that we're going to get to dive in, dive into, and study. Um, not just on the podcast, but you know, in life in general. And we got we got some exciting projects coming up. So. Um, we'll definitely keep you posted on all that. Um, 
it's going to be a great off off season. We're going to learn a lot and uh, connect with a lot of coaches. So appreciate you guys listening along, and uh, we can't we can't wait to uh, keep learning every day. Victory is a great play call.